Welcome to Seymour, podcast about movies and TV. I'm Joan Gonzalez, and we finally made it. The 2019 Oscars have come and gone. The winners have been unveiled, and another award show season is behind us. And I did use air quotes when I said winners, by the way. Um, so last week, I put in my ballot. I made my daring predictions. I stated my not-so-hot takes. And we're going to spend some time this uh, about half hour or so going over the show as a whole, and to just see how I did. Now, I've got a couple of prelude impressions. So the show felt like it was at this constant struggle of trying to balance the old and new, but the attempt at modernizing the show was refreshing in itself. Although it was a bit jarring to see now Oscar winner Kevin Feige in the audience and a lot of celebrities that aren't in the world of film play a huge role in the show, the Oscar should be a celebration of movies and that world, so I don't think that it should be exclusive to the people in the world. It should also be noted that, according to Vulture, the Oscars actually saw a bump in ratings this year, despite not having a host. The 29.6 million viewers that checked in was an improvement over last year's 26.5, and while they didn't necessarily reach the three-hour show they wanted to, They got pretty close. It ended up being around 320, 330 maybe. So credit to them. Credit where credit's due. Between the musical performances and parsing out praises for Best Picture with these like montages, they found a decent flow that worked well enough. With all of that being said, let's get into the show. So the show opened with a Queen medley. We were quickly reminded that there was no host, and we just got right into it. They performed with Adam Lambert, who was the runner-up for the eighth American Idol season. Uh, Everyone seemed to love it, because everyone loves Queen. Now more than ever, seemingly. The Queen opening was very fitting in that it was both a Queen-centric night overall, uh, the performance, the awards, the commercials even, and a ridiculous amount of cuts to Brian May and his luscious hair, the lead guitarist for Queen. You know, he was the guy with the long, curly, white hair that you saw every five seconds. But the performance also symbolically acted as a caffeine boost for the fast-paced show that would follow. We were then jarringly presented with a movie montage of mostly popular movies, some with no Oscar relevance at all, like Tag, And someone actually tweeted that they showed Venom and not Timothy Chalamet. And I was reminded of 2019's biggest snub. Finally, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph showed up and made fun of hosting in general with some cliche one-liners of what could have been. And this actually worked pretty well. Anytime you put those three together, it's a recipe for success. So that was a clever way to start the show and address the whole no-host thing. While I won't go through and list every single non-host slash presenter that hosted and presented, I think their selection of presenters was mostly great. They picked very likable stars who added hints of their own personalities and injected something fresh to every category. Best Supporting Actress I wasn't going to win this one regardless because I cheated on my ballot and I voted for both Emma Stone and Rachel Weisz. But Regina King won. Her performance in Beale Street was spectacular, and her speech was genuine and powerful. Honestly, such a good way to start the show. In her acceptance speech, King called herself someone who is an example of what it looks like when love and support is poured into someone. And that clicked because her character and performance in Beale Street 
was very telling of that. And she was the loving and supportive backbone of that film. Unfortunately, your boy is 0 for 1. So the next category is best documentary. And I actually got this one right. Free Solo won. Despite me not seeing it, I had voted on him based on the trailer alone. And some Academy voters may have done the same. While Regina King had a great speech, this one was kind of awkward for me. The two directors, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarlay, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. While they're gushing, the guy who almost killed himself climbing this stupid rock, 900 meter vertical El Capitan, uh, Alex Honnold's just like awkwardly standing there and he can't even get a word in, right? Can we give the guy who almost died just at least a word or two? I Five minutes in, they haven't thanked the guy who climbed the real mountain. And they had the time to make a joke about climbing a figurative mountain. It, just, it was ridiculous. At, at the end, I think he finally snuck a word in. I think he said, thank you, but I was, I was livid. On the plus side, I'm one for two. Next up is makeup and hairstyling and Vice Juan. This was foreshadowed two seconds before they gave the award out. They praised the movie by showing a montage of it, which was weird. But I said in my prediction episode that the movie literally doesn't work without the makeup and hairstyling department. And I'm glad that Greg Canham, Katie Bisco, and Patricia Dehaney got the credit for it. And I want to say that because they were immediately played off the stage. After two seconds of reading off a piece of paper... It felt less about the time and more about the show not liking the speech. Just an observation. That rubbed me the wrong way considering they didn't want to show the award in the first place. So far, I'm two for three. Next up was the costume design, and Melissa McCarthy and Brian Henry Tyree showed up in these crazy costumes to present the winner, and Black Panther won. Ruth Carter gave another amazing, important, and passionate speech, and then they were eventually just playing her off. Uh, <laughs> but she made Oscar history that night, making her the first African-American woman ever to win in this category. I want to read this quote by her. She said, it means that we've opened up the door about the Oscar win. She said, finally, the door is wide open. I've been struggling and digging deep and mentoring and doing whatever I could to raise others up. And I hope from my example, there's hope and other people can come in and win an Oscar just like I did. And moments like these remind me of the importance of the award season and how this can set a precedent and open doors for young filmmakers. It was a great moment, and for it to come from such a big studio like Marvel and Disney only carries more weight. I also cheated and stated that it was between The Favorite and Black Panther in my ballot, but leading up to the show, in my heart of hearts, I gave the edge to Black Panther, so technically, I'm three for four. Next up was production design and back-to-back -back for Black Panther. Hannah Beachler and Jay Hart took this one, deservedly so, and Marvel won its first two Oscars back-to-back, -back, and they were both from people of color, which is awesome. They gave another heartfelt and important speech, and they were fortunately not cut off. And I should also note that all of the speeches from the first half of the show were all mostly great. They were all very genuine and inspiring. On Twitter, at Kyle Buchanan said that only three black women have won Oscars for anything other than acting. Two of them just happened tonight. And that just kind of puts everything in context, right? It's amazing. I unfortunately voted for the favorite, so I am three for five. So moving on to the cinematography category, Roma actually won. And this is Alfonso Cuaron's first one of the night, and it was one of my favorite. 
I knew that he would win something, but it was important for me that he won for best cinematography because the way he decided to shoot this personal story of his made the movie all the more vulnerable for it. And he framed themes of his life that were very intimate in a way that felt revelatory, as if he were overcoming or confronting these themes head on. Guaron is the first director to be nominated for serving as his own DP. He also obviously won. I got this one right. I, I voted for Roma. I was really rooting for it. And the Academy got it right too. I'm currently four for six. The next category is both sound editing and sound mixing. After a Jennifer Hudson performance and a Serena Williams cameo, they announced the winners for both sound editing and sound mixing. Side note, I can't hear anything over the nominee montage that they show while announcing the nominees, especially for these two categories, which were sound editing and sound mixing. I couldn't hear any of the examples because the hosts were talking over it and everyone's cheering. That's something I'd like to see some improvement from in the future. These two categories killed me. They absolutely killed me. I got them both wrong. Bohemian Rhapsody won for both categories and the show went from a very progressive high back to the same old Oscars vibe at the flip of the switch. I think that's the saying. This reeked of somebody in a boardroom saying Bohemian Rhapsody had music give them all the sound awards I did not like this one bit I'm currently shooting 50% right now I'm four for eight because I picked first man for sound editing and a star is born for sound mixing like a dumbass next up is the foreign film category and Roma wins again uh, this was Alfonso's second award of the night, and he gave a really funny speech about how he grew up watching foreign films himself and how foreign films inspired him and then named a lot of popular American films. It was, it was really great. Throughout the night, he did a really good job of giving different speeches that suited each award that he won. Spoiler alert, he wins more awards. And I actually voted Shoplifters in this category because I wanted to show it some love on its only nomination. I also want to shout out Cold War because it didn't take anything home. That was also nominated for Best Cinematography. Obviously, Roma won there. I am currently four for nine. We are taking a turn for the worse here. This is where my ballot starts going downhill. The next category is Best Editing. And side note before we get to the best editing category, in relation to pacing, despite the fast pace of the Oscars, I found that it was hard to appreciate several categories because it never felt grounded. We just kept jumping to the next selection. I'm sure that's a result of not having a host to keep the show cohesive. So after Betty Midler performs The Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns, Michael Keaton presents the best editing award to Bohemian Rhapsody. I say that about the Oscars because I feel that Bohemian Rhapsody had a lot of those editing problems themselves. So because there were various presenters in the Oscars and that may have resulted in the show being a bit jarring in its transitions, I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody had a lot of different hands in the editing room and a lot of people editing with different incentives within the same scene. There was actually a funny trending video about the maybe not so great editing going on around Twitter for this film. And the irony of it winning the Oscar for best editing is absolutely priceless. The same way that both sound awards reeked of, it has music, give it all the sound awards. Jack, who is one of the co-founders of Cesspool, made a joke that he, he quoted, it had the most cuts, so it must have the best editing. 
I thought that very perfectly summarized my feelings of it. I wanted the favorite to win. I thought Vice would take it. Either way, I am 4 for 10. The next category is Best Supporting Actor. Although I thought Timothy Chalamet should have both been nominated and won for his performance in Beautiful Boy, as you all know. <laughs> the incredible Mahershala Ali won. Uh, he's now 2 for 2 at the Oscar with two Best Supporting Actor wins in the last three years, and I honestly couldn't be any happier for him. He's someone I'm actively looking out for, and I genuinely get excited to see whatever he does next. Mahershala was up against Adam Driver for Black Klansman, Sam Elliott for A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell for Vice. I actually picked Sam Elliott to win. I thought A Star is Born would be way more prominent this year. I am 4 for 11. At this point, I just want to break even. And the next category is Best Animated Feature. After the amazing Laura Dern promoted some unfinished construction site, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won for Best Animated Feature. This was easily one of the best highlights for me. Peter Ramsey, the director of the film, is the first black director to ever win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. The speech was pretty great from the crew until they were eventually played off, which is a recurring theme here. I was a huge fan of this film and would have actually loved to see it in the nominations list for Best Picture. I'm always torn about the animated feature category because on the one hand, it feels like it's its own category as like kind of a consolation prize to the live action films. But on the other hand, it allows for way more animated films to get recognized. There could potentially be the argument made that the process of making an animated film is different enough to warrant its own category as an art form. Uh, I don't know. I would love to learn more about that and why that would be the case. But I voted right here. I'm making my way back. I'm 5 for 11. Let's get into the shorts of it all. Uh, after Gillian Welch and David Rowlings performed When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings, Aquafina and John Mulaney presented the award for Best Animated Short, and Bao won. This was mostly expected. I predicted it would win because it's Pixar and it got the most views behind The Incredibles 2. I quite liked it, but there were some other really quality nominations in this category as well. I went into more detail in the predictions episode last week. Let's run through some of the rest of the shorts while we're at it. Period, end of sentence, one, and the directors Reika Zetabachi and Melissa Burton were gleaming, just full of joy. And that was a great sight. This was the documentary short. I actually predicted this film would win because it technically had three periods in the title. So, And Skin won for best live action short. Uh, one of the guys was actually videotaping the whole process, like from the nomination reading to walking down the aisle to getting on stage. That was a little obnoxious, but hey, it's his night, his moment. I actually picked Marguerite to win this one, so I am two for three on the shorts. In total, I am seven out of 14. Back to shooting 50%. Strong category for me. The next category is visual effects. Uh, after a lot of commercials with Queen songs and an American Idol promo that was just a Don't Stop Me Now number, we were presented with the best visual effects nominees, and the winner, to my surprise, was First Man. I was very happy that First Man got a win. I felt it got very little love up to this point, and I was really pulling for it to win in something, especially one of the two sound categories, where I especially feel like the film excelled. The way the night was going, I was a little surprised Marvel didn't win it for the VFX on Thanos and Infinity War. It seemed like they had just had a lot of momentum with the Black Panther wins up to this point. This was such a tough category to gauge because Infinity War was so flashy 
and not a frame went by where there weren't like a hundred visual effects on screen at once. And First Man was so subtle in its approach and reserved in its delivery. Fortunately, I actually picked First Man to win, so I am 8 for 15. The next category is Best Screenplay, and the winner was Green Book, and I actually voted for Roma. I thought Alfonso had a very unique spin on this autobiographical story, and that the subject matter the film spanned was crafted with mastery and subtlety. None of the themes were shoved down our throats, and the intention of the screenplay seemed very pure, authentic, genuine, and honest. Of the many awards he won that night, this was unfortunately not one of them. I'm back to 500, 8 for 16. The next category is Adapted Screenplay, and Black Klansman won for this. And this was really great to see because Spike Lee was just so much fun all night. Every time the camera would cut to him, he would do something funny and dynamic, and he just seemed to be really enjoying himself. In a speech, he spoke of the 2020 election and being on the right side of history, making the moral choice between love versus hate. Trump has actually responded to this via Twitter, as he so often does, and called his speech racist? I voted for Beale Street here. It was heartbreaking not to see it get any love from a storytelling standpoint or spoilers for the next category. It's amazing score. I'm sitting at 8 out of 17. The next category is original score. Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan presented the best original score and the winner was Ludwig Gorosan for Black Panther. This was Black Panther's third Oscar of the night. I think Ludwig did a great job of taking the Marvel Studios sound and making it feel more authentic with his choice of instrumentation, making it feel fresh. You might know Ludwig as the very popular music producer. He was just nominated for seven Grammys and won three a couple of days ago. He won for R&B song Feels Like Summer by Childish Gambino, score soundtrack for visual media for Black Panther, and song for This Is America by Childish Gambino, which was also the first rap song in Grammy's history to win the award. He's also worked with Coogler before they worked together on Creed, and he actually wrote the score for Ryan Coogler's first short film, Locks. At Kyle Buchanan said, Kevin Feige just came into the governor's ball. How does it feel for Marvel Studio to win its first three Oscars in one night? And Kevin Feige said it feels amazing for those in particular. This is all the more special considering it's actually Black History Month. I picked Beale Street to win it. I thought that the score was incredibly beautiful. You can refer to the previous episode to hear more about that if you're interested. I'm sitting at 8 out of 18. The next category is Best Original Song and Shallow One, obviously. There's no surprise there. We all thought it was going to win. I thought it was going to win. You thought it was going to win. It won. I actually want to talk about the performance itself because I thought that was way more interesting than the category. What immediately stood out was how they chose to shoot it, and they wanted to capture this intimacy between Lady Gaga and her chemistry with Bradley Cooper. And I think they did it pretty well for the most part. I couldn't tell whether or not Bradley Cooper was doing the Jackson main voice or not. Sometimes it sounded like he was, and other times it sounded like it was just Bradley Cooper singing, but he sounded pretty great for the most part, um, despite all the nerves that I'm sure come with being in that environment and being not a professional singer. It honestly went about as well as it could have, in my opinion. There was so much hype, and I felt like it could have gone either way, either really well or really poorly. It went as well as it possibly could have. They sounded good, and I liked it a lot more than I did the Grammys performance, so overall it was a highlight for A Star is Born, a film that wasn't nearly as prevalent as I thought it would be at this year's Oscars. I voted for it. 
I'm 9 out of 19. The next category is for Best Actor, and after the In Memoriam segment, Gary Oldman and Allison Janney presented the award, and Rami Malek won. He was up against Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, William Defoe for Eternity's Gate, and Viggo Mortensen for Green Book. Side note for the showcase scene, why did they pick the scene where Rami's lip-syncing for, you know, when they're showing the highlights of each of these Best Actor nominees' roles? I don't think that's necessarily fair to him, especially when all of the other clips were emotional beats for the other actors. That was a weird moment. He had a pretty long speech, and fortunately, they did not cut him off. They really gave him his moment and all the time in the world, which makes sense. This is one of the bigger awards in a lot of folks' opinion. I actually thought Christian Bale would win this for Vice, for the body transformation alone. Clearly, I underestimated the power of Queen. I'm sitting at 9 out of 20. I need a huge comeback at this point. The next category was for Best Actress. Sam Rockwell and Frances McDormand presented the award, and Olivia Colman won for her performance in The Favorite. She beat out Yalitza Aparicio for Roma, Glenn Close for The Wife, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? I was so incredibly happy for her, and it was so fulfilling to see her reaction because it was just such a genuine moment. You can tell it was all hitting her at once in real time, and it was great to see it happen in action. And moments like that are honestly the reason I watch and enjoy the show. We forget that these are human beings because cinema romanticizes and exaggerates everything. She's been killing it for so long, and it was nice to see her have her moment and be a part of this experience. She told Glenn Close, who was the favorite to win, You've been my idol for so long, this is not how I wanted it to be. Glenn Close has been nominated seven times and is yet to win, which makes her the most nominated living actor or actress to never win at the Oscars. But she was a class act, laughed. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great kind of moment between the two of them. I picked Elita Aparicio for Roma to win, and I am 9 out of 21 because of it, and I'm not even mad about it. I don't even know why I'm keeping track at this point. The next category was the best director, and this was my favorite moment of the night. I've probably said that like five times, but this was actually it. And Guillermo del Toro presented it. He won two Oscars last year for both best director and best picture for Shape of Water. Now, it's kind of a miracle that he was there because apparently he was really sick and he wasn't going to show up because of that. But I'm really glad he did because before presenting the award... For Best Director, he said that no matter who wins, those films that were nominated are as great as they were before they gave out the award. And that theme of celebration is so important to me, that despite whether or not he reads the name of a card that doesn't devalue the quality of the other nominations or the quality of work that the other directors put in, and especially at an award show for art. I think that's important to reiterate time and time again, and it just shows that he gets it. And you know who else got it? Alfonso Cuaron won his fifth Oscar of the night for Roma, making it the fifth time in six years that a Mexican director has won Best Director, which is just simply amazing. After the show, Alfonso said that theaters and streaming services can both together elevate cinema that there doesn't have to be one side or another. I think this was very important for Netflix, for the Oscars, and the Oscars recognizing Netflix as a streaming service, and recognizing that despite the medium, quality work can come through it, 
And cinema is cinema is cinema, right? A movie is a movie is a movie, and it doesn't matter where it comes from. And to see it get recognized on a stage like that by a director like that is very special. I actually picked right here. I am 10 for 22. And finally, Julia Roberts came out and presented the best picture. And the nominations were Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Roma, Green Book, A Star is Born, and Vice. And the winner and the best picture of the 2019 Oscars went to Green Book. And that's how the show ended. I went 10 for 23. Not the best. That's this week's episode. Uh, if you like what you heard, subscribe. This is just one of Cesspool's many shows. Cesspool's a podcast network with a variety of different shows, one coming out each day of the week, except for Sunday. You can follow Cesspool Network on Instagram and Twitter at Cesspool Network, both of them. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Juwan underscore chirps or on Instagram, Juwan underscore snaps. Or you can follow me on Letterboxd to track what I watch at uh, Juwan Gonzalez. See you next week. Mm-hmm.